Hi, Jonathan Williams back again at the Bricks and Mortar podcast. Bricks and Mortar podcast, buying, selling, renting and investing in property. We've got something that's going to float your boat and light your candle. This week's show is not an interview show. I've got a number of really good interviews in the bag. One with a guy called Andrew Crosby. That's coming out next week. Andrew's with Rent locally, formerly out of West Lothian and now into Glasgow. And then this week I'm having a chat with Jane Buchan. Um, who appears to be formerly of the ALG parish and was doing her stuff at the Corinthian and we'll have a little bit more about her and what she's up to. But let, before we get in and talk about what we're going to do on this week's show, give you an update, a wrap on where we're at with bricks and mortar mortgages. FCA have come back to me and they've asked me a couple of questions, more forms to fill out. I tell you what, If you ever are going through a direct authorised route to get authorised as far as mortgages are concerned, then make sure that you've got a strong risk because there's a fair amount of uh, forms to fill out. I think I must be on about the 14th, maybe even 15th form that I've got to fill out. So that'll get filled out this week. And I'm probably looking... Uh, something like April, probably best to just try and tie it into the tax year, the upcoming tax year in April. And so if we can do that, then we can kick the ball off and start bricks and mortar mortgages on the 4th or 5th of April. But that's all in the future. What's also in the future is the mentoring that I'm going to be doing. I have had my initial interview with my mentor and I tell you what, if you ever do any mentoring, the best mentoring, and of course it's all about accountability, that's what your mentor is going to give you. You don't have a good mentoring session unless you're starting getting the sweaty palms and that's really what I'm looking for. So my mentor is going to help me with with marketing. Uh, We had a good long chat about an hour, an hour and a half there last week and we're going to move that forward. I think the idea is going to be is that I'm going to be tasked to do things for each meeting. The next meeting will be in February. I'm going to be tasked for getting things done and then he will then review those tasks. So really looking forward to working closely with him and we'll keep you updated as to how things are moving forward. You all know if you've been listening that I'm turning 50 this year and to mark that momentous event, I'm going to be doing a ultra marathon. This one's called the Highland Fling. I'm in week four of training just off the back of a 15 miler on Sunday morning. But on Friday, what I did was I put together a Just Giving page. I'm raising money for Kilbride Hospice. Kilbride Hospice is a great charity dealing with those that are suffering from cancer. It's based out in East Kilbride. They need a helping hand. They've just got a unit that is about to be opened up and any money that I can raise will go straight towards them through the just giving. So if you'd like to donate, I know that I don't ask you to donate anything at all as far as the podcast is concerned but I tell you what that would be absolutely fantastic if you could drop us a couple of quid go on to Just Giving look my name up Jonathan Williams 
you might have to also put in the Highland fling and then just throw some money my way and obviously it'll go straight into the coffers of Kilbride. That would be absolutely great. We're going to run through the BNI. We're going to be running a charity event on the 23rd of March. More about that as the weeks and months roll on. But it's going to be a networking event and it's going to be out at the Alona Hotel at Strathclyde Park. It's 23rd of March, it's between 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock and it would be great to get as many of you along as possible. And with that in mind and with the fact that I'm the education coordinator at the BNI chapter, what they've asked me to do is to do a talk on networking and what I'm going to do is trial the talk with you guys today and that's going to be the rump of today's show. As I say, next week we've gonna, we're going to have Andrew Crosby, that's already in the bag, and then Jane Buchan uh, the following week. So listen, let's get on and let's talk networking. So what I wanted to do was have a chat to you about networking, the dark art of turning up at a networking event and getting as much out of the event as possible. So I think long gone are the days where armed with a whole raft of business cards, you rock up at the networking event and you start handing these cards out like your Willy Wonka and handing out golden tickets in the hope that somebody will read these cards, will then phone you up and then the business will start rolling in. It's obviously not like that. You have to play a longer game. In essence, what you're doing is you're hoping to first of all, find a rapport with the people that you meet at these networking events. Then once you've done that, what you want to try and do is establish a relationship and then possibly they could help you in a meaningful way when the opportunity arises. So it's very much a long game that you're playing. But in order for you to get that call, you need to be remembered. So you need to be recalled, so you need to be memorable. And one of the things that you need to be able to do is to understand an elevator pitch. That first 30 seconds to 90 seconds when you introduce yourself to your prospect, it needs to be honed, it needs to be practiced, and it needs to be, you need to be able to spout it out just at a moment's notice. But you know what it's like when you turn up at these events, you have to have a strategy. Hope is not a strategy, you have to have a strategy. And notwithstanding the fact that these network events might not be your bag, not be your cup of tea, they may scare you, you might, must, might be the last person who would want to go at these things, that you're going to have to build your network. If you're going to be successful in anything that you do, you need to have a network that you can rely upon. Because ultimately that network is going to create your funnel 
and it's the clients that are going to go into that funnel. So the more funnels and relationships that you're able to create, then the better chance it is that those funnels with those clients in are going to be created from leads actually in to clients. So when you go to these networking events, what you need to understand, and this is absolutely vital, is that ultimately nobody's interested in what you say. Nobody's, people are selfish, okay? They will only be interested in what you've got to say if in some way you're able to help them, okay? So you need to be concise, you need to be clear, but of all things, you need to be memorable. And those are the three things that are probably the most important, concise, clear and memorable. You don't want to be talking too much jargon, you just want to be keeping it nice and short and somehow make it memorable. So how do you make it memorable? Well, we're going to talk about the elevator pitch and I'm going to give you a technique called the tornado technique. And it's something that it's got four straightforward steps that if you use that tornado technique, that will allow you to create an elevator pitch. And at the end of this segment, I'll do a sort of elevator pitch that I use and it'll give you an idea of what you should be putting in within that particular pitch. So when you're going to these networking events, I think what's important to do is not think that you're going to speak to everybody in the room. That's just not going to work because there's not going to be enough time and you won't be able to spend enough time with all those people in the room. So your message will be diluted. The best thing for you to do is probably, depending upon time, to concentrate on half a dozen people concentrate on delivering your elevator pitch to the best of your ability and if it's a good elevator pitch then what will happen is that those six people when they in turn are talking to another six people then if you're memorable then potentially you're going to be recalled but they'll only be able to help in a meaningful way when the opportunity arises and so that might be some time in the future. So that's why you need to be memorable. Because in a week's time or two weeks' time, if your pitch isn't memorable and they are able to potentially pass you work and they can't remember and all they can think is, oh, I was at the Alona Hotel at a networking event and there was some guy who was selling mortgages and I think he said he was a solicitor but if you haven't done a decent enough elevator pitch then you're not going to be able to get that work so concentrate on six people and what you want to do is you want to almost have trained them to be your lieutenants who will go into the rest of the networking event and potentially bat for you because if you're pitch is so memorable they'll be so enthused that they will want to tell others that they meet to seek you out 
or to pass them your card. So you have to make sure that you don't talk to, to too many people as far as the pitch is concerned. So let's get on, let's talk about the tornado technique. So there's four points in the tornado technique. And the first and most important part of the technique, tornado technique is that when you're meeting somebody for the first time and you've done your initial introductions, you need to lead with what is called emotional value. You need to get the person to understand how you are able to either help him or a particular sector within the market. What do you fix? What problem do you solve for people? Because it goes back to this selfishness argument that people are only interested if you're solving a problem for them or they're more interested if you're solving a problem for them. And you always, at the back of your mind, when you're leading with the emotional value, how do you help people? What's your USP? Don't matter about anything else. Don't matter about the industry you work with or the metaphor we're going to talk about or who you want to speak to. Lead with the emotional value. Identify the problem that you solve. If you do that and you make that front and centre, you've got a better chance of being remembered. The next thing I touched on there and the second thing you want to lead with is what industry you work in. So you lead with emotional value and then you're on to the industry. Who do you help? Who do you work with? This will give the person that you're speaking to an understanding, a little bit more of an understanding of, of who you are and how you're able to help. And once you've done that, then you're leading on to the metaphor. Now, the metaphor gives further understanding to the person that you're speaking to of the industry or the type of company that you work with. So, for example, for myself, who works in property and I deal with the legal side of things, I deal with the finance side of things, and clearly I've got a breadth of knowledge as far as investment and buy to let. And I've stolen this from a comment that a client made to me once where he said that I was like the Swiss army knife of the property industry. And that's the metaphor that I use. And I think it's a great little metaphor that as soon as you say Swiss army knife, everybody knows what a Swiss army knife is and how useful it is. So think about your industry and think about how you can put together a metaphor. And I have to say, being memorable, you need to work on the metaphor because that's the thing that will be the hook potentially. That plus the emotional value, that'll be the hook that allows you to be uh, remembered. And I think you need to make it as quirky and and offbeat as possible so that you actually are remembered. So it takes a little bit of time to work out what the best metaphor is, but it is vital. It is vital. And then finally, you've got to be absolutely certain 
as to who you want to speak to. There's no point in going through the first three steps of telling them who you help, what industry you work in, and then the metaphor without you saying, and I want to speak to X, Y, and Z. I very much take the view that you certainly have to be specific about the particular person that you want to speak to. But if you are hoping that that particular person knows that person that you want to speak to, I think you've got to be a little bit more generic. And so what I tend to do is I tend to ask for specific people within industries or I would like to speak to a specific type of person in industry. So for me in property it would be estate agents, letting agents and also accountants. People who work in these industries are able to potentially pass me large volumes of of work. So if I can get introductions into the likes of accountants, uh, estate agents and letting agents, then those are the people that I would want to speak to. And I'll probably throw in a specific name because you might just strike lucky uh, that if the person knows that particular person, then you might be quids in. So that's the tornado technique. It's leading with the emotional value, industry, quickly followed by metaphor, and then who do you want to speak to? And you need to practice it. It needs to be down pat so that you know it without even thinking about it. Now, you'll probably have to change it slightly, uh, depending upon who you're going to speak to, what networking event that you're going to be going to. But ultimately, you need to know what the framework is and make sure that you can pull that out at a moment's notice. If you're able to pitch it properly, it will give you the ammo. It is your plan, your strategy. As I said earlier, hope is not a strategy. You need to make sure that you have a strategy for going to these events And for goodness sake, do not just treat it as a social get-together with your pals. Because generally what happens is that you turn up at these events, you scour the list as to who's on the list, and you start looking for your pals or people that you've spoken to before. Listen, it's not a get-together to go over stories with people that you know. The whole point of going to these networking events is making sure that you increase your network And with the greatest respect, you're not going to increase your network talking to people that you already know. So take your hands out your pockets, stop staring at your shoes and go out there, get a plan and use the tornado technique. So we're in a situation where you're armed with a plan, you've worked on your tornado technique and you're still concerned at going up to people and making that initial good first impression and this is where I want to talk about something called the bold approach. Now the bold approach is something that I listened to on a podcast called The Art of Charm and I have to say they talk a hell of a lot of sense 
on that particular podcast. And this bold approach is five steps that you can use to ensure that that first impression is the best impression. So if you go in, use the the bold approach that I'm just about to, to go through, along with your tornado technique, I think you're giving yourself the best opportunity possible to come across, first of all, with a great first impression and then leave your prospect with a memorable pitch. So the five points about the bold approach are are this. The first thing in the bold approach is the smile. You need to come across the first thing that people see is your smile. So if you're smiling, then you're exuding a confidence. People will be interested in you much more than if you had the resting bitch face, the RBF. And a lot of us, I mean, I go to lots and lots of networking events and you've got people that, that have just got this glum expression on their face. There's no enthusiasm. Yes, we're all stoic and some of us are A-types and we're all thinking about our jobs. For, for goodness sake, I'm not interested in you if you're not going to make at least some sort of effort to be looking as if you're enjoying yourself. So for God's sake, get rid of the resting bitch face and make sure that you start smiling. Yeah? You've got to come across as somebody who's engaging that somebody would be attracted to come to speak to. Because as much as you are going to potentially go out and speak to people at these networking events, if you've got a good smile and you're looking engaged, then people will be attracted to you. Nobody's going to be attracted to you if you've got the RBF on. Yeah? Nobody's going to come up to you. So give yourself the best chance and go in with a smile. So that smile, that's the first thing. So once you've gone through that, then it's eye contact. You've got to make eye contact. But you don't want to come across as some freaky stalker by staring out the person until they feel uncomfortable. What you've got to do in this first impression is to make them as comfortable with you as you want to be comfortable with them. But you need to make eye contact because if you don't make eye contact and you're staring at the floor, then you know, you're know you not really going to have much of a chance of creating a rapport. So the suggestion, the bold approach is very much take eye contact and hold the eye contact so that you know what the colour of their, their eyes are. Okay, No more, no less. Eye contact, colour of the eyes, and then you can either look above, below, uh, or above to the left or to the right. Don't look below because that just looks as if you're not interested. And don't hold on to the gaze. And it can be quite difficult doing the eye contact thing but what you need to do is you need to practice it and one of the ways that I practice this is for example when you're paying for your petrol you're paying for your groceries have a go 
at making eye contact with the cashier or the person who's taking your money at the petrol station. And you won't feel so, it won't be so difficult the next time that you do it. Because hand on heart, making eye contact is, is, is something, I, I think for us Brits, maybe we find it quite difficult. Um, but it's so, so important, I think, that if you can get and hold that eye contact, find out the colour of the eyes, and then you're off and running. But you don't want to be, as I say, coming across as some crazy, stalking loony that looks as if you're staring and staring down into your prospect's eyes. So what you need to understand is, imagine that you had one of those flashlight torches on the front of your head. Imagine how disconcerting that would be if that was shining in the eyes of your, the person that you're speaking to. So if you can always imagine that you've got this flashlight on the top of your head, then I think you'll understand that you don't want to be holding the eye contact for too much. And when you're talking, that's when you want to regain the eye contact okay so when you're talking to them then you're wanting to ensure that you've got the eye contact but when you're listening you don't want to be thinking about the eye contact you want to be thinking and taking in what they're actually saying to you so my advice on that particular score is to divert your eyes drop the eye contact momentarily and flip back to and fro Go to the left, go to the right, look above them. For goodness sake, don't look. When you're listening to what they're saying, don't look at the ground. Because they'll just not feel that you're interested in what they're, say what they're saying. And that's what you've got to be. You've got to come across as if you're really enthusiastic and interested in what they're saying. And you've got a better chance of building the rapport. Because if you can build the rapport then you can move forward to build some sort of, of relationship. The third point is enthusiasm. Now, we spoke there about the eye contact. Just as you don't want to be looking like some crazy stalker staring them down, you also don't want to be seen to be the dancing monkey with your enthusiasm. We've all seen them at the networking events, haven't we? somebody dancing, dancing about, going up for, to people, and it just, it's such, such a turn-off. But you have to come across as enthusiastic, because if, Chris, if you're not enthusiastic about what you do, then how on earth are people going to be interested in passing you any business if you're not enjoying or enthusiastic about what you do? So the analogy that I use is very much imagine that your best friend had walked into the room. That's the kind of level of enthusiasm that you want to create here. And I think that's a great analogy to use. Um, it's probably one that is not nowhere near the dancing monkey because obviously best friends, you know them, but there is a recognition and I think... If you use that, then you will come across as somebody who has enthusiasm and there's more energy and 
who doesn't want to speak to somebody who is exuding that amount of energy? So we've made the introduction, we've got the smile, we've got the eye contact, we're looking at enthusiastic, and we start talking. And this is where it's absolutely vital to get the body language right. And what I mean by this is that there's something called positive body language, positive body position and neutral body position. So if you can imagine starting to talk to somebody and you're face to face, okay, that's positive body position, okay. And that can be quite antagonistic, it can be quite confrontational, and that's potentially going to put off or, or make the person that you're speaking to feel quite uncomfortable. And it's quite interesting that if you go to one of these networking events and look at that, that you'll see that a lot of people will hold the positive position for too long. And if you continue to look at their interaction, then you will see that very quickly they will become uncomfortable with one another. So before that happens, what you need to do is this. You need to move yourself to a neutral position. And what I mean by that is that you need to move to almost a perpendicular position to where the person is that you're talking to, almost side by side. Because if you think that when you're talking to your pals, very rarely do you talk to them in a positive uh, body position. Yeah, very quickly you will move to side to side or perpendicular. And I'll give you a, 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 uh, an example of this. I was at uh, Lindsay's Hold, uh, the legal firm that I work with, uh, hold uh, Christmas drinks do in Edinburgh. This is a couple of years ago. And I went along and I spoke with uh, a chap who I'd only just joined the firm and I wanted to look out this solicitor that I'd had a few run-ins, run I have to say, with um, and uh, just wanted just to see exactly what he was like in the flesh, so to speak, um, without the... Um, the, the fact that we had we were on opposing sides in a particular transaction, and I went in, spoke to him, went in with a positive body language, and immediately what I did, almost immediately what I did was I moved perpendicular, um, and we started this dance almost that he was he wanted almost to come back into this positive uh, body position. And I then kept moving it so that it was neutral. Um, he was quite confrontational and I just didn't want to have that confrontation because I wanted to try and speak because I knew that if we had retained this positive body language, then at some stage very early on in our conversation, um, it would have fizzled out and, and I didn't want that. I just wanted to get more of a, an understanding of what he was like and the only way I was going to be able to do that was to continue to move into a neutral body position and I thought to myself after about half an hour speaking to him about all sorts of things we had actually moved around the clock face 
from if we'd started um, at a positive level and I'd gone to, to six o'clock, we'd actually turn full circle in the room over that half an hour. So do try that out. It is something that it allows a conversation to continue. It puts the, and the most important thing is that it puts the person you're speaking to at absolute ease, neutral body language. You need to get the person that you're speaking to as comfortable as possible. It's almost a two-step dance. So you go in there, you do your introduction, you're probably doing your pitch, your elevator pitch in a positive, certainly you want to be seeing the emotional value in positive body position, but then almost immediately move to a neutral body position. So the final one I want to talk about is commitment and what that is about closing down the personal space between you and the person that you're speaking to. And this might be a little bit tricky because we've all got this personal space, haven't we, between ourselves and what we are comfortable with when we're speaking to an individual. But you've got to be committed to your interaction. And I think the benefit of being committed means that the person that you're speaking to will feel that you are comfortable with them and then if they feel that you're comfortable with them, then it's more than likely that they will then feel more comfortable with you. But you need to make the first move on that. And what that means is that you need to get close enough to a person that you could almost get your arm around them. Obviously, you're not going to put your arm around them, I understand that. But metaphorically, it, you need to be as close to allow you to get your arm around them. And you can understand that that's probably quite close, but it will allow them to understand that you feel comfortable with them. And therefore, I mean, listen, you'll know very quickly if that's not working because you'll, you'll end up, they'll end up probably pushing away back from you. So that is the checklist. You've got the smile, you've got the eye contact, the enthusiasm, not the dancing monkey. You've got the positive body into the neutral body position. And then finally, you've got the commitment. It's a checklist. You're armed and you're ready. Why not try it out? And the final thing that I'm going to leave you with is that people are not interested really in what you do. They're not really interested in what you say, what they are interested in is how you made them feel. So if you can make them feel as comfortable as possible, as early as possible, then you've got a better chance than anybody else in the room to be recalled, remembered, and then referred. And that ultimately is what we're looking at doing as far as the networking game is concerned. So just to wrap up, what I thought I would do is sort of to give you my elevator pitch uh, that I would use generally in networking events. So it would go something like, hi, my name is Jonathan Williams. Pleased to meet you. I, I tell you what I do is I remove the stress and strain for clients when they're buying, selling or investing in property. I've got 25 years experience 
as far as property is concerned. And really, clients put me like a, a Swiss army knife. And the reason they, they say that is because I, I can do the legals, I can do the mortgage, I've got half a dozen flats, I understand the legislation and the changes in the legislation with regards to the buy-to-let industry. So I can wear the hat of a solicitor and the hat of a broker. So if you can imagine a triangle of a transaction, a state agent at the top, solicitor and the mortgage broker, client in the middle, client's got to make three phone calls to the estate agent, the solicitor and the, and the, the, the mortgage broker. So they've got to make those calls and then they've got to hope that the professionals all talk to one another. And that's where the plates can come crashing down. So if I'm wearing two hats of a solicitor at the start of the transaction and the mortgage broker throughout the transaction, then you as the client only need to make one call and that's to me. And I then only need to make one call to the estate agent. And that in essence is how we remove the stress and hassle when buying, selling or investing in property. And property is such a, a huge, huge part of, of business and really who I'm looking to speak to are estate agents, letting agents and accountants. So if you know anybody in that who I can help remove the stress and hassle of the buying process, then you know what, I'd be delighted to have a chat with them. So that was my talk on networking. I'll probably have to pare that down, probably have to, to revisit it again. But that's the sort of the nuts and bolts of what we're going to talk about at the Alona on the 23rd of March. Listen, if you can get along to that, it would be great to meet up with you. I think it's going to be a great, great uh, afternoon. It's probably going to be, I think, from between three to five at the Alona Hotel on the 20th. It's a Friday, the 23rd of March and uh, it will no doubt will have Eventbrite and uh, we'll get that all sorted out and start uh, really marketing that. So if you're, if you're interested at all in that then do get in touch under the usual auspices which is Jonathan Williams at begleybrown.co.uk. Look me up on LinkedIn Jonathan Williams and uh, delighted to connect with you that way. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please subscribe to the website. And if you're needing any assistance, whether it be advice on buy to let, whether it be mortgage advice, or whether you need some assistance on the legals, then yeah, just give me a buzz, uh, drop me an email, and we'll see if we can help you out. As I say, Next week, we're going to put the chat with Andrew Crosby on. Really interesting guy, former policeman, then got into property, does his swimming, and we had a good long chat there last week. Talk to you about the gig that I'm doing there, the networking event, the Alona Hotel. I've also got a gig uh, with PPN, the Progressive People I'm going to do some speaking there in February. What we're going to do is I'm going to rehash my talk on the landlord portfolio. Some interesting movements on that since that all came out. I've been speaking to a number of the lenders and what their view is on those landlords that 
are coming to the end of their fixed rate deal and whether or not they can get uh, new deals with that particular lender or whether or not they're going to be thrown to the wolves and end up on the standard variable rate. So a little bit more information on that and we'll talk to you about that next week. Um, I've also got a conversation with Paddy Donnelly and uh, that I think will be really, really interesting. He's keen to start his own podcast and I've got a, a chat and interview with him on Thursday just to move that forward. So lots and lots happening at the moment, what with mentoring, the business and the running. I don't know where I'm going to be able to fit it all in, but rest assured we'll be back next week on the Bricks and Mortar podcast. It is your property podcast. And as ever, we're taking a sideways look at property.